Hey, I know you want to win a fantasy championship. Good news. We actually have consultants that will run your team for you and get you to the finish line. Patrick Murphy and his team guarantee you a playoff spot. So go to playerprofiler.com advice and we'll take it from there. Crossover week continues to roll along, and it is my honor to be stepping in for the pod father alongside Anand Nanduri. Anand, two days in a row I get to talk to you. It's a pretty good week for me. What's going on, Jack? How are you, man? Fantastic, fantastic. Excited about best division in all of the NFL, the AFC North. We've got some awesome stories there, and we've also got some conversations about the running backs coming up. The whole market there has been set on fire. We're waiting for Dalvin Cook to sign during this podcast. <laughs> it's going to be by the by the end of the weekend, which means by the end of Friday. Yeah, the, the, the NFL doesn't really have weekends anymore. It's basically just a 24-7 news cycle. So, you know, whenever his agent decides to tweet something out about the Dolphins showing interest again, that's when the Jets will probably make their move. And, you know, I, I think he will. We talked yeah. about that. It'll be the 4 o'clock news dump, as always. No 4 o'clock news dump from the Steelers expected, though. Though, they've got a lot going on. They're back at training. They are invested heavily in Kenny Pickett. What do you think about the Steelers team? I think much to match chagrin. I don't think they're dead in the water or, you know, you know, kind of going to be a doormat in this division by any means. That defense is still really, really good. Mike Tomlin has made lemonade out of various fruits that aren't even lemons. I mean, the man is unbelievable. And I know he hates the whole coach speak thing. But look, if somebody shows you consistently over and over again that, that they can make it work with, you know, not the greatest parts, you've got to believe them at some point. And the Steelers are, if nothing else, if Kenny Pickett takes a little bit of a step this year, that offense is going to be pretty good. I mean, the, the pieces are there. We know what you've got in Najee Harris. You may not love him, but again, super volume, reliable running back. And then you've got an offensive line that's improved. You've got George Pickens as your number one. You've got Fryermuth there. Obviously, they sent Claypool out to Chicago and got Joey Porter Jr. for him, basically, which is what an upgrade. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, you know, you've you've got a lot of these guys. Deontay Johnson's another really good player that they've got over there. Yes. Ideally, you want someone that is a Jamar Chase. That's a Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, a Tyreek Hill to be your one. But one of the best ways to go about not having a true, true number one A is to have two one Bs. And in Pickens and Johnson, I think they do have that. They're going to be a really fun team just to to go through and, and watch this year. If nothing else, because Kenny Pickett is really the only thing that matters this year. Yep. Yes. You know, everything else is kind of ancillary. They need to find out if he's the long-term answer and the guy there. And there's a lot of reasons excited about the way that he played at the end of last year. Yeah, we know that's one of the toughest tr- transitions there is in sports is playing quarterback at, you know, the power five le- level to the NFL. And Kenny, obviously in college a lot longer than several guys. Part of that was COVID related. He had his breakout year at the very end of his college career. They got to see him in Pittsburgh, you know, train in, in the same facilities that the Steelers do. Put on a whole farce that they're going to draft Malik Willis to just to throw everyone. Oh, yeah. And- yep. And then they, they took the hometown kid and. There's, there's reason for optimism in Pittsburgh because even if he's not the guy, 
they have the ability to go draft someone else in 24, 25, 26 if they want to. This year is really about progression. I don't really think it's as much about wins and losses and trying to really make a playoff push just because of the, the rest of this division is so strong and the rest of this conference is so strong. But one of the things that I love about the way that they've gone about this is they're not sitting there throwing the expectations out there. We are, you know, like it feels like the Jets and, and, the, uh, and the Broncos have have heaped these expectations on themselves that Pittsburgh just hasn't. And I think it's super beneficial for a quarterback like Kenny that has not the strongest arm in the world, but is super mobile, much more mobile than you would assume just looking at him. I think the, the biggest part of the season for Pittsburgh is going to be kind of down the stretch. Once we kind of see what these moving pieces that they have look like and their quarterback looks like, that last six, seven weeks of the season, you're going to get a real snapshot of what they will be moving forward. And if they can make a playoff push, that's awesome. If health tears this team apart and they get a high, high draft pick, that's not the end of the world because this is not a Super Bowl team this year anyway, realistically speaking, unless Kenny makes some massive jump, which again, is well within the realm of possibility. I don't think it's super likely, but sometimes it just requires a little bit of a tweak here or there. We saw it with Daniel Jones last year. Uh, I I think it's a good time to be a Steelers fan, if only because, my God, starting Mason Rudolph was rough. Watching the end of Ben Roethlisberger was rough. Like, They've had so they've they've had to watch some really 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 tough quarterbacking out there, and if nothing else, Kenny Pickett is a significant. It was so tough at quarterback for a period that Duck Hodges actually had a fandom out there, and he was terrible. I don't even know if he's in the NFL still. I don't think he is. The, the, Duck Hodges was Taylor Heineke before Taylor Heineke, but Taylor Ooh, Heineke was balling. Taylor Heineke was balling, and uh, they're. There are guys like that that get cult followings that are just fun. Like, if you're not going to be good, be fun. There's nothing worse than being bad and boring. Nobody wants nobody wants to watch that. Like, I want to see, like, the worst teams in the league. Do some wild shit, man. I want, you know, I want triple reverse passes in Arizona. I, run two QB sets. Do whatever you got to do. Have some fun out there for us, please. Because you, you cannot be bad and unwatchable. And that was the beauty of those Tampa Bay Buccaneers teams with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were so bad, oh, but yeah. they were just slinging it all over the place. Absolutely love that. And I, I really do love Kenny Pickett. I am a big believer in him. The two most important stats, the two things that give us the biggest indication, deep ball catchable pass rate number one in the NFL, pressured catchable pass rate number one in the NFL. So he is accurate deep. He doesn't have the cannon arm, but he no. has that touch, feather it in, and he's accurate under pressure. He's just accurate in general. The number two quarterback in catchable pass rate across the NFL, but he did put the ball in harm's way a lot. He was number two in danger plays with 40, number two in interceptable passes with 40, and he didn't start all season. So that is a massive red flag. But if you believe, like I do, that young quarterbacks can improve, can make better decisions, then Kenny Pickett should. I think he's a prime candidate. We talk a lot about that year tree jump. I think he's yeah. probably a much more primed candidate for that. But you can, you'll, you'll start to see the flashes, right? I mean, you got to see them at the end of his rookie year with Trevor Lawrence. You started to see them the the end of last year with Justin Fields. Some guys, it's a year one to year two thing. Some guys, it's a year two to year three thing. Very, very rarely it can be a year three to year four thing, or you know, in some cases, even a year four to year five thing. Um, but surrounding someone with the pieces that can make them successful is going to give them a significantly better chance of actually doing the things that we think Kenny Pickett's capable of doing. 
and they've surrounded him with pieces. No, nobody's accusing them of having, you know, the Bengals receiving court by any means. But the pieces are there to have a really functional offense that does some really good things. And I think Kenny's mobility is going to give them something if they lean into it a little bit more that they haven't had at that position in a long, long time. And so it's going to be interesting to just watch them figure out how they want to build this offense around him and highlight the stuff that he can do because everybody's going to want to talk about the stuff that Kenny Pickett cannot do, right? Your job is to maximize what he can do. And I think Omar Khan and his time as Steelers GM has done a really, really good job of bringing in talent in spots that matter. And this team is going to be better than people think. And they're going to surprise a couple of people. There are going to be really good teams that lose games to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh was the better team that day. Do I think they can do that for 17 games and make the playoffs in a loaded AFC? Probably not. But they're going to put the fear of God in some of these really good teams that you don't think that they can hang with. And that's just what they always do. They're always that annoying team. Even when they're good, they're annoying because they let the bad teams compete with them. And when they're bad, they let the good, they compete with the good team. My one worry that I have with the Steelers offense, though, is there is absolutely zero speed across the none out of the starting offensive members because Calvin Austin, he's going to be the fourth. He's the one guy that has speed. After that, it's George Pickens with the 4-4-7, Deontay Johnson 4-5, Allen Robinson probably runs a 4-7-4-8 at this point in his career, Pat Fryermuth runs a 4-7-4-8, so this is a slow offense, but with Kenny Pickett's skill set where he is accurate and when he does take those chances, he's on point, they can get around it, but that's my one worry with this offense is that they don't have someone to take the top off outside of Calvin Austin who isn't a three-down player. I think the the interesting part is every receiver kind of wins in their own way. And uh, you, you used to watch it a lot. Actually, uh, people used to early in Devontae Adams' career, the guy that he reminded me most of was Stevie Johnson. Because for whatever reason, they just got open. Like you watch them basically play basketball at the line of scrimmage, get off press, leave corners flat-footed, and take three yards slants into 12 yards, and then in their career it turns into 18 yards, and then house calls. So – I mean, if Deontay and GP and Allen Robinson can do what their skill sets suggest they can do, they can still separate and win on those 50-50 balls and box people out and, and keep this offense on time and on schedule. It's not going to look like Kansas City's offense. It's not going to look like Miami's offense. But that doesn't mean it can't be effective because we watched New England do this forever. It, they weren't the fastest guys. They just beat you with precision timing, running the ball, and out-scheming you. And it, it is possible to do, and I think Tomlin's a good enough coach to know what to lean into. I think they're going to scare really good teams over and over again this season. I just don't think they're quite ready yet to win a lot of those games that really good teams should win. And not to draw the full parallel because they're not this, but the 2021 Lions had a lot of winnable games that they lost simply because their quarterback or the, the roster was just too young to know how to win those games yet. I think there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of that in Pittsburgh this year, but mainly falling on the shoulders of Kenny Pickett and the quarterback room as opposed to you know, with the Lions it was basically everybody's just young. The defense is going to carry them through the games the games that they should win, but the the offense will show up in, in games against good teams and I'm excited to kind of watch them match up because, you know, as they say styles make fights. I it's going to be really interesting to watch them match up with, you know, a Jacksonville that 
is going to throw the ball all over the yard and, and try to score 40 on. So how they play that game is going to be. And I think that's a game where they will against the Steelers because, yeah, Patrick Peterson, he's had a great career, but he is a little bit taking a step back. Levi Wallace, one of the slower corners in the NFL. So a team like the Jaguars that are just pure speed ball balling guns a blazing those are the teams the Steelers <laughs> will struggle with on defense and those are the teams that will make Kenny Pickett pass more take over the game and this is why I both love and hate the eight and a half over under for their win total and it's just it's so perfect because it's the narrative oh Tomlin doesn't lose Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons Tom, Mike Tomlin can't have a losing season so you're either riding with that and giving them nine wins just because they're the Steelers or you're like me. And I think I'm going to take the under. I don't think it's much under, but I think this is a seven to nine win team. Seven and eight are lower than eight and a half. I'm going to take the year, but it's still I, a good team. I think I think there's a world where injuries ravage a little bit of this division. There is find a way to win 10, but it is somewhere in that seven to 10 range. For me, this is your classic stay away much like the Texans, that number is enticing you to go under. And I know everyone out there is going to sit there and be like, oh, they're in a division with the Ravens and the Browns and the Bengals. We'll just take the under here. There's no way they get to nine wins. Watch out. Watch what happens in early December when they've won a couple games that they shouldn't have won. And they're a lot closer to getting to that number than you originally would have thought. It's just the way that they work, man. I, it's Any given Sunday is true, and we try to talk about college football here because it does matter projecting to the next level. But I'm sorry, there's a 0% chance that Jacksonville State is beating Alabama any given weekend. It does not matter. You, you could ask them to play hungover on a Tuesday. It's still not. It literally will not matter. It, it, there is that much of a talent disparity between the two. But in the NFL, you get wacky results all the times, like the Colts beating the Chiefs last. Who saw that one coming? That That is among, among the wins that the Indianapolis Colts had last that led to them getting the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft was a win over the team that won. It, the game is just wacky sometimes, and that's why this eight and a half number is a complete stay away from me. They could be at seven. They could be at eight. They could be at nine. They could be at 10. The bottom could fall out and everything could go terribly and they could be a five win team. Everybody could get hurt and they make some magical run. This is to me, we have no information on what this team is yet because we don't know what the quarterback is yet. I would avoid that. I feel no way uh, any way about, about that number of yeah, And I'm avoiding the AFC championship. I'm avoiding the St the Super Bowl for the Steelers. Not interested at all. They just can't hang with these upper end teams. So it's, there's no point going into it. The one that did jump out to me, though, is Kenny Pickett. He is number 18 in MVP odds. He's behind Brock Purdy, which was interesting enough, and ahead of Kirk Cousin. Guys, what are we doing here? <laughs> Guys, what are we doing here? There is no reason that Kenny Pickett should have MVP odds above Kirk. Guys, nope. Come on, guys. What are we doing here? Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a big brand. People are going to bet it because it's the quarterback of the Steelers. I 100% understand. In Western PA, trust me, I know. Grew up in Ohio. Like, I know. I know in Western PA, they're going to take a lot of money on Kenny Pickett winning MVP. But to have his odds ahead of Kirk Cousins, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get why any would actually take that. But, you know. Again, really good team, very well coached, questions at a very major position. He's just young. And, you know, I don't think their roster is as good as everybody else in this division, but it's not as far away as you would think. The defense is better than most other defenses, you know, with similar win totals in that area. This could be a team that just suffocates teams to death like Denver did last year. 
And if they get close, and if, if if they get the corner play to be able to do that, this seems to be a tough out. It's it's not a this is not a rollover and die kind of franchise. They've never been built that way, and I don't think they ever will be built that way as long as Tomlin's their head coach. And this might be the best division in all of football. For the Super Bowl odds, the Steelers are 18th, which means they are just at the like precipice of being a top half of the league. The rest is the the Browns, the Ravens, the Bengals. The one other narrative. So this is a narrative award MVP. There's no narrative that Kenny P- can create to win this. It'll be about Tomlin. It'll be about the defense. Kenny Pickett can't do it. Kirk Cousins can. But another player I don't believe can get the narrative to be MVP is Deshaun Watson. The no, NFL there's just no way. Will not give it to him. And I don't understand how he can be 12th in MVP odds. That is ridiculous. There is a 0% chance in his entire NFL career Deshaun Watson will ever win an MVP. Jack, I want you to look up something for me because you can actually bet on there are odds for Deshaun Watson to win comeback player. Why? The NFL would Coming back from what? Coming back from what? That like Okay, comeback player of the year again, narrative award. Demar Hamlin's going to win it if he takes one. That is my I, I don't even think it's really a question. I think it's going to be given to no matter what. The only player that I think has a outside shot potential if he plays one single snap is if John Mechie comes back and has basically an all-pro That could that's, happen. That that's could, the that. only one that I see that could potentially actually do that. So given all of that, betting on Deshaun Watson to win MVP is crazy because they're not going to give it to him even if he wins it on the field. They're not they're absolutely not going to give Deshaun Watson the PR behind it be so yeah, bad. It's a narrative based award. Again, I talked about this yesterday. I think we should call it player of the year because that's how we issue it. It's not to the most player. One thing that's interesting to me about Cleveland that nobody really has been talking about is Watson really didn't get time last year because of all of the off-field stuff that was happening and the way that suspension was issued. They didn't get live bullets basically until the end of the season. Deshaun Watson was kind of learning on fly. We know what this team can be on paper. You're talking about a quarterback that three, four years ago was considered the third best quarterback in at least at worst top five. You're talking about probably the best pure runner in the league in Chubb. An offensive line of road grip. They just maul people. That's awesome. And then your receivers are Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Not lacking for talent. We've seen flashes of what Njoku can be. And the defense has probably the best pure pass rusher in the league in Miles Garrett. I think he should have won Defensive Player of the Year last year. That's how strongly I feel about how good he was. There's a lot to like. The thing that you don't like is the uncertainty. How much are they going to lean into Deshaun? How much of his former self can he be? How long will it take him if he can get back to that to get there? Because this division is so tough that you can't get behind the eight ball early and have a prayer. Because I promise you, Baltimore's just going to run over. There, You've seen what Lamar's been in, as a runner. We we That's been well documented. They finally gave him weapons. So now you're it, the big problem for Cleveland is the division. If they were in, the, say, the AFC South, I think you'd be locking them in as a playoff team. Oh, yeah. But you're talking about the Steelers, again, nightmares of years and years and years of the Steelers beating up on the Browns. You've got the Ravens, who've historically beat up on the Browns. The Browns inexplicably have had the Bengals number, <laughs> just because that's how divisional football works. None of this shit makes sense half the time. But the strangest part about, about trying to figure out what the Browns are is trying to slot them in among the AFC, not among their own. Because you basically have the trio at the top of 
Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, that have established themselves over time as these three teams are likely to win their division. These three teams are likely to at least get to you know the divisional round, if not the conference championship game, if not the Super Bowl. Everybody else is fighting for that four slot, and it's going to be the Jacksonvilles of the world. We think the Chargers have a shot to do that. We think the Browns and the Ravens have shots to do that. But there's just such a log jam after those three that it's going to become a can the Browns beat all of those teams around them that are going to fight for that number four slot. Even if we're not talking about the actual, you know, playoff seeding one through seven, can they beat the teams around them that are basically their competition to bust into that echelon above them? Because I don't think they're going to, I really don't think that they're going to consistently beat the Kansas City, a Buffalo, a Cincinnati in playoff game. But All you really need to do is get to the dance and then put three together. We've seen many teams do it that we thought "Mm, it's a wild card team. Do they really have a shot to get to the Super Bowl? Uh, Yeah, they do. (laughs) They do. It's just a matter of you've got to find a way in to be able to have that shot. And that's their biggest hurdle right now is in that division, given what they have to play. Because this year, the, the AFC North crosses with the AFC South and the NFC West. So you've got... The, the NFC West's got some good teams, man. You don't want to, you know, they've got to play Jackson. They're going to have to play a really physical Titan. They're going to have to play the Niners and Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals. Like, now we don't think the Cardinals are great. The Rams offensively pros a threat. The defense is yike. Um, but all of these teams over time, you know, it's not like we're talking about, you know, playing really bad teams every year. They're going to be battle tested if they get there. The question is, can they wade through all of that and get there? There's a lot to like about this roster. I think they've done a fantastic job. I think Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski have done a really solid job building a game plan around what they have. They got weirdly sideswiped in their quest to find a quarterback. This is the most unorthodox quarterback move that I think maybe any of us have ever seen because 25, 26 year old franchise quarterbacks are never on the market. So there's not really like a a price that is usually paid. Russell Wilson's in his third. This is not the same at all by any means. This is not Kirk Cousins, who was a free agent. This was a trade that happened. Houston still had the rights to him. I'm interested to see if he can drag the entire offense up because the more faith that they have in Deshaun Watson to be the guy that he was in 2019, the less they're going to have to rely on Nick Chubb and the fresher they could keep him. So that when you get into December and January in Cleveland, in Cincinnati, in Buffalo, you have a puncher's shot because he can run away from anybody. You do not want to tackle Nick Chubb 30 times in a playoff game, I promise you. And you certainly don't want to have to cover Elijah Moore <laughs> And Amari Cooper for 60 minutes of a playoff game either. There's a lot to love about this Browns team. Just my only major concern is quality of competition in their division or conference. Because even if Deshaun Watson is slow out the gate, the weapons around him are good enough that they can support him. It's not ideal to lean on Nick Chubb super heavily, but they can. It's not ideal to give Amari Cooper 12 targets a game, but they can. Elijah Moore is going to command targets. It looks like he's going to be running the ball too. Donovan Peoples-Jones is there to stretch the field. He'll be replaced by Cedric Tillman down the stretch if Tillman breaks out. Otherwise, he'll replace him next year. So this is a team that is both ready now, prepared for the future, and it just all comes down to Deshaun Watson. As long as he's not a liability like he was last year, this Browns team is going to compete. It's going to scare a lot of people. Nine and a half. This is another one that is just the perfect line to sucker people in either way. 
and they've, they've nailed this down that that of all of the divisions of all of the divisions that have that that have been put out this is the division where i would just tell you if you like one of these teams bet them to make the playoffs bet them to make the afc championship game bet them to win the afc bet them to win the super because these win total numbers are right across the board yep. and there's no angle either side in playing the the, the browns number i believe is nine and a half Wild. Yeah, you could absolutely see this team winning 10 or 11 games. You could also could see this 12. You could see this team winning 7, 8, 9 games. They're, the range of outcomes because of the quality of competition is so wide because the Browns are, frankly, an unknown quantity. Much like the Steelers, the unknown quantity is at the most important position. And if he gets back to what he was, then we have a very solid. The question is, can he do it? Because we haven't seen it. Yet. We haven't seen that Deshaun Watson in three plus years. So to ask someone to basically take what amounts to two and a half years off and come back firing is unlikely to say the best. Like you're asking a ton. And I mean, an absolute ton. Here. But if those pieces fit together, yeah. This is absolutely a team that has a roster. No question. That's the scary part about trying to figure out the AFC. Any of these teams that are in that first tier that we just mentioned or that second, all of them are capable of going on a three-game run and beating any of these, which makes what Kansas City and Cincinnati have done the past couple of years even more remarkable, given the talent that they have in their own divisions and in their conference. I wouldn't bet against it being KC Cincinnati again, probably at Arrowhead yet again. You're three in a row. That's probably another three-point game because why would it not be? <laughs> of course. Every single so that's that's a crazy, that's one of the crazier things that I've seen time. Every Kansas City Cincinnati game that's been Burrow Mahomes has been a three-point game. All of them. Every single one. And when you look at, you know, when you look at the Browns, the question that you've got to figure out is can they get to the to the Ravens? Can they climb the ladder and get to the Bengals? Can they climb the ladder and get to Buffalo and Kansas City? The talents there. Uh, nobody's questioning whether or not they're talented enough to do it. It's just you've shown no ability to do that yet. So we're projecting if we think we can put you there. But I do believe that they have the talent at skill positions and at edge, corner, safety to to go make that run. I think this is a good team. It's one that I don't like. I don't. I'm not rooting for the Browns by any means. But plus thirty five hundred to win the Super Bowl, the thirteenth best odds in the NFL. That's pretty enticing to me. None of this, none of this other stuff stands out. I don't. There's no chance they. Well, AFC Championship they win potential, but it stands out. It's interesting. It's just there's no certainty here, and that's what's so beautiful and so scary about this division. Yeah, I mean, we we saw it play out yesterday. How different does the Browns' outlook change if Cincinnati is forced to start Trey Lance or Carson Wentz instead of Joe Burrow? Yeah, that's a. This, this stuff changes really, really quickly, and it's why if you're looking for an advantage in an odds market, it's rarely in win totals this late in the game. It's usually finding teams like the Browns where if one thing breaks their way, their odds would shift dramatically to, to be able to get in. And then again, you just need to win three. Now, that is much easier said by me sitting here, by Jack and I sitting here talking to you over coffee this, than it is to actually go out and do it. I'm not suggesting that it's as easy as it sounds from us sitting here and saying it, but it is doable. And I do think they have the talent to be able to go do that. So 35 to one to win a Super Bowl for the Browns. I, if you run the, the way that you've got to look at it, if you run the NFL simulation of the season 35 times, you don't think the Browns won one of those? I absolutely do. And if you look at the teams that they're lumped with, they're behind the Dolphins, the Jags, the Chargers. And I would put all of those teams above. I them. agree. 
But then the teams behind them are the Broncos, the Steelers, and the Patriots. So I would put them ahead of them. They might be the best AFC championship and Super Bowl odds, period. Yeah, they, they need a couple things to break their way, as every Super Bowl team does. But it's, it's less things they need than it's it's really just the. By the way, one thing that, that does not get talked about nearly enough, getting the breaks that get you to a Super Bowl are often viewed as other teams' players getting injured, and that is absolutely no question. Niners players will take to their graves that they would have had a shot at the Eagles if they weren't starting me at quarterback in the third quarter. That Here's another part that doesn't get discussed enough. The health of your own team is almost more important because you have control over that. You have control over personnel decisions if everyone's healthy. If they're not, you're forced into doing some things you don't want to do, which allows other teams to take advantage of them. So as much as we talk about other teams getting injured, it's also about your team staying healthy at the right time. Or if you do miss somebody, right? Like The Dolphins are going to miss Jalen Ramsey for an extended period of time. I promise you they will be fine without him until December. But you do not want to play the Miami Dolphins in January because that team is fucking terrifying. They are so good across the board everywhere. And that's the kind of stuff that Cleveland doesn't quite have to give you the confidence to say, yeah, we love this team to be a Super Bowl participant. We think they can go into Kansas City and win. They need a, a break or two here or there. But again, it's more likely than 35 to 1. So I like that a lot more than betting their over 9.5 again. If they go over 9.5, how much do you adjust that looking at the postseason? Because if they go over 9.5, if they get to 10 wins, they're probably a playoff. And if they're a playoff team, then they're not going to be 35 to 1 at that point to win the Super Bowl. So if you bet them over 9.5 wins, you're probably paying a pretty premium over what you should for a 35 to one ticket, which I think doesn't make any sense. I would just take them to win the AFC. I don't know what there is offhand, but that's probably to me, the most likely scenario that holding a Browns ticket is actually offering some value. And we don't root for any injuries, but we do know how to explain them before we get into the Baltimore Ravens. The pod father has a message. Hey, you're in your fantasy draft and someone says, hey, that guy's injury prone. I don't want him. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't think you can predict injuries. Well, guess what? Now you can. Injury proneness is real. At Player Profiler, we have the data on these players and it's all in the Injury Finder app. Their injury track record back through time, exactly where they were injured, how severe it is. We look at the BMI data and we crunch it all together and we give you probabilities that a player will miss multiple games this NFL season, as well as the complete database of NFL injuries and the ability to compare two players and look at their injury track record. The injury finder is powerful and it's only five bucks. If it's worth it to have that peace of mind when you're drafting, go get it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ravens 
They were so good early in the season. I am really excited for the Todd Monken offense. And I know we don't love to praise offensive coordinators, but the shift from running two, three tight end sets with a fullback to three wide receivers, that is smaller bodies on the defense. And Lamar Jackson can handle smaller bodies pretty easily. If it's a linebacker trying to tackle Lamar Jackson, yeah, he might. It's, if he doesn't juke him, yeah, it's going to be a big hit potentially. But with corners, those are going to be smaller hits and Lamar can... The scariest part about playing Baltimore is you have nobody on scout team as Lamar. There is nobody that can prepare you for that suddenness. Unless you are... Uh, there's one. There's one guy out there that, that you can go pretend is Lamar Jackson. He plays quarterback about five miles from here. His name is Justin Fields. Good luck. with if, Unless you have him to play scout team, good luck. There's no one that can simulate that suddenness, that change of direction. People still want to hold on to their archaic pre-draft takes about Lamar Jackson. Understand that he was never given the freedom to actually throw the ball like he can. And I urge you to go back and watch the way that Bobby Petrino ran his offense at, back when Lamar was, you know, back when Lamar was in college. Lamar Jackson is not an incapable passer. He's a very good one. Is he Mahomes or Herbert or Burrow? No, but it doesn't matter because what he can do for you in the run game is so dynamic and so different that he doesn't need to beat Joe Burrow as a passer to be as effective as Joe Burrow is as a quarterback. The biggest thing that you've got to remember about Baltimore is this is year, this would be the third year in a row, I think two or three years in a row, where in the first half of the season before injuries decimated this team, they're the one seed in the AFC. Is anyone paying attention to this? Do people just forget what Lamar Jackson is as a quarterback? He is maybe outside of Pat. There, there's Pat, Josh Allen, and then probably Lamar. They're utterly impossible to stop if you give them what they need and go horse for horse. They're just better than you. And Joe can throw the ball with the best of them. We think Deshaun Watson can throw the ball with the best of them. They're not doing that. <laughs> Lamar Jackson could legitimately rush for 200 yards. How many, quarter, how, how many quarterbacks? Two, maybe three. That's I'd, it. I'd give it three. It's Lamar. It's Fields. And it's Hurts. But that's it. And Hurts doesn't want to. There would never be. Yeah. There would never be a situation where he wants to, needs to. Unless everyone's out. If, if they keep a lot of the run stuff that Greg Roman had in, take pages from Petrino's playbook and Louisville, and then mash that with what Munkin did while he was at Georgia, which allowed Stetson Bennett to have guys running free all over them. You're going to look at this offense and realize we are only scratching the surface of what Lamar Jackson can be. What he has been is not necessarily what he will be going forward. You don't want your quarterback running the ball 12 times. Now, those 12 runs are going to be out of this fucking world because of the, the athlete that's running the ball. But you don't want him taking those anymore. The easiest way to do that is to build in a pass game that gives him free rushing. And Greg's run game, brilliant. The everything about Greg Roman's run game is awesome. Nobody has any any issue what he did over there. It's uh it's that pass game that we so desperately wanted him to go back to the P version of Lamar and find that back again. But a part of it, and you know, there there is some blame to be sent to Eric DaCosta for not giving them the requisite receivers to do that with. It's been Mark Andrews and a bunch of guys. Hollywood Brown was obviously there for a little bit, but this is probably the most complete receiver room Baltimore's had in a while. 
The defense is going to be good. It's always good. <laughs> I mean, it's there's not a lot to write home about there. They're Baltimore. It's a John Harbaugh team. They're going to play good defense. They're going to play special teams very well. Justin Tucker is probably the greatest kicker ever. Um, they're going to be all right with the rest of it. The question is, can we keep Lamar healthy? And what do the additions on offense, whether it's Flowers, whether it's OBJ, what do the additions on offense do to change how this passing game opens up? And what does that do in turn for the running game, which is what people have been terrified about forever? If you try to go out there and stop the run and they can throw on you, and you then try to stop the pass and they can run on you, this team is a night, absolute freaking nightmare because nobody can do the things in the run game that Lamar Jackson can do. Justin can do some of the things, but he doesn't have that. He's really, really fast. A much bigger build than Lamar is. But man, you've watched Lamar just bounce off of guys. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. He runs unlike anyone else I've ever seen. But the Ravens are terrifying. The last If they get to December and January healthy, which has not happened, I'll give you that. It's like saying if the Chargers stay healthy. I understand. I get it. It hasn't happened. So you think it can't happen. That's not the same thing. Just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't happen. But... If they get to December and January with this roster looking the way that it does, with Lamar playing the way that he can, and the pass game starts to click, this is one of those teams that really, really can. Even if they had to go on the road to Cincinnati, on the road to Buffalo, on the road to Kansas City, they can absolutely win those. I have no doubt in my mind. It's not like a Cleveland, I'd need to see it. They need to have some things break through. No, 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 no. If this pass game does what we think it can do this year and takes that step, this team is a nightmare. I don't know how you get them off the field. The last thing you want is the game swinging in the balance with Lamar Jackson having the ball in his hands and the best kicker ever ready to send you home. You don't want it. I'm telling you, Baltimore is a really, really, really scary. They really are. And I think this offense is going to look a lot like the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of Mark Andrews is their Travis Kelsey. He's a, he's a downgrade, but he's their wide receiver one. And then they're just going to play matchups. So there's going to be a week where it's uh, Rashad Bateman. There's going to be a week where it's Zay Flowers. There's going to be a week where it's Odell Beckham. There might even be a Nelson Aguilar week in there because they find a matchup within there. That is what is so exciting and so scary about the Baltimore Ravens is that it's no longer Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Or, or Mark Andrews and Demarcus God. Robinson. God, they gave uh, no disrespect to my fine folks at Hobby Lobby, but my guy was dragging employees from the parking lot to playoff. Like you have to understand, and I told Matt this the other time. This is a classic Stephen A. Smith quote: "If you're replacing nothing, that makes you something." And you're now replacing guys who you forgot were NFL players with Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. Isaiah Likely, who everyone seems to have forgotten about for some reason, and Nelson Aguilar, who, by the way, is not, is not, and you do not want him out there as your number two or number three, but as your number four, when you're replacing guys that nobody's ever even paid attention to, and now you have the depth there where functionally your fifth or sixth receiving option is Nelson Aguilar and your seventh might be J.K. Dobbins. There's a lot going on here, man. It's not... It's not necessarily that everybody is a wide receiver one and Odell's in his prime. And, you know, you, you're talking about this absolute machine that's going to kill you with these 50-yard slant calls every week. It's going to be matchup-based. There are going to be weeks that Lamar runs the ball 15 times. There are going to be weeks that he throws the ball 40 times. There may be weeks that he does both. God bless him. It's 
it, he is the fantasy player in this offense. He's the one, him and Mark Andrews, obviously. Here, those are the two that I want. The injury to Dobbins scares me a little bit, but again, volume. And when your quarterback takes so many of those rushes away from you, where he's being drafted is kind of the right range for me. Um, and we talk about looking forward and dynasty. Zay Flowers, that's uh, he's got the juice. If you're looking, if you want electricity and a wide receiver, he's your guy. That that loved that pick. Obviously, we loved it while, while we were in uh, while we were in KC watching it. But you know, there if the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl, there are people who would be surprised, and they because this team has been right in the mix, if not leading the pack towards the end of November every year, and then injuries catch up to them. We're hoping that doesn't happen this year. It's going to happen to somebody because it happens to somebody every year. They've just consistently gotten unlucky. The Chargers, same boat, consistently unlucky. If they could keep keep people off IR, and this team can absolutely win a Super Bowl, even if they have to go on the road, which not all of these teams that we discuss in that second tier could go on the road and win those games. This is a team that can. Because if your linebackers can't keep up with Lamar, that's a problem. If you're... If you're Third corner can't keep up with a Zay Flowers or Dodo Beckham Jr. That's a problem. If you don't have a safety or a backer that can carry Mark Andrews, that's a problem. And Munkin's just going to lean into whichever those matchups are the biggest nightmare for you. And he did it at Georgia. You watch Stetson Bennett just basically play point guard. That's all they're going to ask Lamar to do. And occasionally, <laughs> occasionally he's just going to take it himself. It's going to be a really fun offense to watch. I hope everyone stays healthy. I hope we get more of those games like we got early last year. My favorite game that I watched last year, maybe period, was uh, Miami-Baltimore early in the season. It might have even been week one or two. That was as much fun as I had watching a game all year. That was awesome. Ball flying all over the place. Two really good defensive coordinators, two really good defensive coaches, you know, sitting there going, what the fuck do we do? There's no answer. Like. No, seriously, if, you, if you're trying to play defense against a fully hot Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, and then <laughs> the other side, you're trying to cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It turns into a track meet. It was awesome. That was so much fun. I hope we get more games like that this year in the AFC, and I suspect that we will because realizing at this point, defense year over year is not as stable as is. So it makes a lot of sense for us to invest in this side of the ball and let someone scheme the other side, kind of like the Bengals have done with Lou Anarumo and you know, mixed and matched certain pieces that they think are replaceable in that defense. Baltimore is a team that I think having a futures ticket on makes a lot of sense. But again, win total, 10 and a half. Why do we not like that? Because of the injury risk involved in the division in the conference they play in. This line is right. And if the line is right, then you're just basically one side or the other betting what you feel. But if you feel strongly that they're they're going to get to 11 wins, it probably makes sense to instead just bet them outright to make the playoffs, bet them outright to win the AFC. The number for a Super Bowl is 20 to 1. If we, again, same thing as last time. If we run the simulation 20 times in the NFL season, you don't think Baltimore wins one? I think that's that it's unlikely that we simulate 20 season, 20, the 23 season 20 times, and Baltimore doesn't come away with it. And I think that's my favorite bet of these. Because a, a smart man told me to look at the discrepancy between the MVE odds and the Super Bowl odds. That smart man was you yesterday on Player Profiler today. But Lamar Jackson, his MVP odds, he's number six, plus 1,500 is the best you can get. It's plus 1,200 to plus 1,500. Whereas the Super Bowl odds, they are number eight in Super Bowl odds, plus 1,800 to plus 2,000. That feels like some value to me. Yeah, the, the 
the thing is, Lamar could absolutely win MVP without Baltimore progressing far in the postseason, but the two typically go hand in hand. Just because we haven't seen an MVP in a Super Bowl other than Mahomes since Warner in 99. That was the last time that that happened. How crazy is that? Tom Brady's fault. Brady never did it. Brady never did it. He could if he went, if he beat the Giants, he would have, but yeah. Brady never did it. Manning never did it. Rodgers never did it. Ben never did it. Like, you're talking about a lot of guys that have been right there at the edge forever and never got it done. But I think 20 to 1 is way, 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 way. Too- I would, that, that number to me probably should be closer to 13, 14 to 1, somewhere in there. Um, and I think that by midseason, if we, if we just come back and revisit these, I think by midseason, you're probably going to see that. So, you know, that's that's one of my favorites that we've given out on this show so far is Ravens 20 to one to win the Super Bowl, because much like the Chargers, they don't need things to break their way. They just need the health and to be able to get out of the regular season unscathed to be able to go make that this year. And for that same reason, it's why I don't like any of these Bengals bets, because they're all correct, right? Joe Burrow as second in MVP odds. That's correct. Even with the calf injury, because we got a, a little bit scared yesterday. The books panicked took all the odds down. You couldn't bet any. And they come back up. Joe Burrow still second in MVP odds. Bengals still fifth in Super Bowl odds. I think they took a slight step back because I think they were ahead of the Bills before, were they not? Um, they they floated between the two. Ah, gotcha. the, the Buffalo and Cincinnati have been floating back and forth as that number two team behind Kansas City in the AFC particularly, but also just in terms of Super Bowl odds. So um, the Bengals lines are all right. 11 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's about right. AFC Championship, you know, they're plus five fifty, which again, about right. You know, there there's there's not a lot of value here. Um, if you're and, and it, that that happens to teams when they have their explode their supernova explosion year two years in a row. Uh, they're a known quantity. There's the, the, Lamar Jackson hopefully not missing any time this year. It's they improve the offensive line. They. Sorry, Jamar Chase. Mute. The, the mute button went off for some reason. Anyways, Lamar Jackson. No, goodness gracious. Joe Burrow. Improved offensive. Jamar Chase. Hopefully not missing time with a broken hit. Improved defense. This is just a better team than they've been. This is the team that I think this year to win a Super Bowl. That doesn't mean the betting market odds give you the number the 9 to 1 to 11 to 1. They're very, very dependent on one guy. As everybody in the AFC has to be because the quality of talent around them is so much different than the NFC. The Niners were able to run through the NFC with whoever they wanted it. They did it with Garoppolo. I think they could have done it with Lance. They did it with Purdy. I I mean, it, they could have done it with Josh Johnson for all I care. I, I, there's just such a difference between their roster quality, the Eagles roster quality, the Cowboys roster quality, and then basically everyone else. Whereas in the AFC, you get to like the eighth, ninth, tenth team. You're, Whoa, they still got dudes everywhere, right? The AFC is a gauntlet and it's becoming increasingly likely that you're your Super Bowl champion will come out of the AFC if they didn't get too dinged up in the process of going through all of going through everybody to get to the mountains. The most interesting thing about the Bengals is they solved the problem that they didn't even know was a problem. And that problem was wide receiver depth going forward because they, they did miss chase and they did miss Higgins for periods of time last year. Remember, remember the Trenton Irwin case, Trent, Trent Irwin and Trent Taylor. Yeah. And so what they did was they went into the draft, took Andre Yosevash, and then Charlie Football out of Purdue. And they don't need to be ready this year. They don't need to be ready tomorrow. 
But there will come a time where Tyler Boyd is no longer there, and one of them is going to be able to fill that spot. They're not going to have to give up more draft capital. They're not going to have to trade for somebody. They're just getting them ready. And it's just going to be rinse and repeat with the same group of people. They brought Mixon back for one more year. Irv Smith is there at tight end now. Forgot about him. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's an interesting roster build, mainly because there's not really a weakness anywhere. And that's very rare to say about an NFL roster. I mean, maybe your argument would be backup quarterback. That's about it. (laughs) Like the running back room, solid. A receiver room, potentially the best in the league. The offensive line is at worst among the top 10, probably pushing the top five. You're talking about a defense that, when it matters, has been among the best in the league now for multiple years. It's not just, you know, it's not a two-game sample size here. This has all the makeup of a championship team. They're being priced correctly. Burrow's MVP odds are priced correctly. Their odds to win the AFC are priced correctly. Their Super Bowl odds are priced correctly. The over-under win total, some places are 10.5, and you have to pay juice for the over. Some places are at 11.5. You can get a little bit back on the uh, on the over on plus odds. This is an 11-win team all day, every day, twice on Sunday. They're, they're, they're your classic 11-6 and six team that is absolutely terrifying to a Buffalo or a Kansas City who, despite having a super freak alien at quarterback, they just haven't had defenses like Lou's given Joe and has given Zach Taylor. One of the more startling stats I've ever seen is in the four fourth quarters between Every Kansas City Cincinnati has been played in the Mahomes and Burrow era. If you even you can you can even add overtime in the uh, in the twenty two AFC Champion. In those four fourth quarters, Lou Anarumo's defense has held Kansas City to nine total points. Nine. They have not scored a fourth quarter touchdown in any of those games. Zero. That is one of the most remarkable things you will ever see done to a team that's that good. And it does show you something. They're not afraid. The Bengals are not afraid of Kansas. There are a lot of teams that lose before they ever step out there. They're not one of them. And the thing is, if they can stay healthy enough this year, obviously we're going to monitor Burrow's calf injury. I highly doubt we see him even take a snap during the preseason. I highly that would be irresponsible. Yeah, I I don't even. Does he really need to take snaps in the pre? Like waste of our time here. But this is the team that I think out of everybody this year. And I thought it two years ago. And I thought it last year also. But this is the team that if someone other than Kansas City is going to come out of the, I think this is the most likely team to do it. Buffalo is starting to feel the wear and tear of Allen's contract doing what it does to rosters on the defensive side. And they've needed a second to kind of gather themselves and reorganize the roster the way that they want it. That's still a really, really good football team that's capable of beating anyone any week. It's just their method for beating these playoff teams is Josh Allen going superhuman. And yes, he's capable of doing that, but that's a tall order against a roster as good as Cincinnati, a roster as good as Kansas, a roster as good as the Chargers, the Jags, the, the, the Ravens, right? You're just asking him to carry so much of the load. And Cincinnati's made Joe's life so much easier than Buffalo's made Josh's. And I think the coolest part about the way that they've done that is, yes, Burrow can still take games over when he has to, but he doesn't always have to. In the way that Mahomes typically does, in the way that Allen typically does, he doesn't have to do that. He can lean on a defense. He can lean on a run. This is the team, I think, that is probably, I think they do it again. This is the year I think Cincinnati wins the Super Bowl. I thought it was going to be last year towards the end of the year. We thought it was going to be Eagles-Bengals. It ended up not not working out that way. But 
realistically looking around, the Ravens are a serious threat. The Browns can be, if Watson gets back to being Deshaun Watson, can be a serious threat. The Steelers are going to scare some. Top to bottom, I don't know that there's a better roster in the AFC than Cincinnati's. Burrow's health, paramount. There is probably, I don't think there's a shot in hell they could do it without him. But if he's there, he obviously he's going to, calf injuries are weird. He's going to feel the effects of it for a while. If he can get back to 100% before week or even by week five, six, seven, this team is the team that actually can go into Arrowhead because we've seen them do it before. And we've seen them do it in that game. And we've seen them do it in the regular season. So that's the game. Game of the year circled on everyone's calendar. It's Kansas City, Cincinnati every year. Because it feels like a de facto AFC championship game preview. Obviously, we circle Kansas City, Buffalo. We circle Cincinnati, Kansas City, or Cincinnati, Buffalo also. But there's a reason we circled the, the games between those three teams is because those games usually lead to determining who has home field and then ultimately who gets the right to go to Arrowhead at the end of at, at the end of the AFC. And I think it's going to be Cincinnati. And I think this is the year that they get over and actually win the whole thing that is provided Joe stays healthy. I am with you here. I have said since Joe Burrow was drafted that he would be MVP by 2023 at the latest. This is the last year for him to prove me right. But at the same time, people that disagreed with me when I made that statement have come back and said, I don't even care if he wins MVP or right. He's that dude. He is him. So I will be rooting for the Bengals. I won't be betting on them anywhere because these are all bad bets. No, you you wait until you wait until this is a great example. You like a team and they start off slow. Like I think the Bengals started what, one and three last year, yeah. something like that. One and two, they were struggling at that point. That's when I would have bet them because that number would have come down significantly. And at that point, the number is worth it. These numbers here that you're looking at right now are just too correct, so to speak, to really find any kind of advantage on. If you're a Bengals fan listening to this, you can obviously bet on your dude. We all do it. Everybody does it. That's fine. We're talking here more so about, you know, long-term strategies to potentially win you a couple bucks to throw on, you know, custom jerseys, Eagles, Kelly Green's coming Monday. Excited about that. Um, but, you know, we, we, we try to break down market insights in a way that makes sense. Whereas, you know, quarterbacks MVP odds versus team Super Bowl odds is a good one versus teams to win the AFC is a good one because they are heavily correlated between who gets really to that final four and who wins MVP. So um, I think Burrow's in for a huge year. I would, a 5,000 yard season would not surprise me. Um, I, I know Larky has gone on and I think Matt also with Jamar as wide receiver one overall this year. Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, I think he's going to get a remarkably large target share between him and Higgins. But again, you forget Tyler Boyd is pretty easily the best number three in the league right now. I mean, obviously you can say, you know, Jackson up in Seattle, but we'll see how long it takes for, you know, him to pass one of DK or Lockett, uh, whether that's this year, next year, whenever that happens. But until then, until, until, you know, he actually goes out there and does it, Tyler's probably the best number three in the league right now. And so if you can argue that they've got the best number one in the league, there, there is an also argument to be made that T is the best number two in the league. And to pretty clear that as of this moment, they have the best number three in the league. There's a lot to like about what Joe has to throw to. And then they added the depth in case someone gets hurt because inevitably someone's going to miss. It's just how the NFL works. It's absolutely grueling. And, you know, at, when you talk to ex players or current players about what they put their bodies through to be able to play on Sundays, you gain a different kind of appreciation for 
you know, the basically modern modern gladiators that they are. This is my favorite this year to actually win the Super Bowl. Ignore the odds. I think this is the team that found something at the end of last year that they can lean heavily into this year. And they've already beat the two teams that in theory would be in front of them at their places in back-to-back years to go to the Super Bowl and then to go to an AFC champion. So we know they can do it. They have done it. They were an Aaron Donald miracle away from potentially winning the Super Bowl two years ago. There is no Super Bowl hangover. Everybody was super worried about it. Is it a flash in the pan? Are they going to be able to do it again? No, no, no. They're right there. They're right there among the four best teams in the league. And I think they will be until, you know, someone comes picking Lou Anarumo and <laughs> Brian Callahan out of there. And uh, even then, Joe Burrows. Even Jamar then, you still, is still there. Jamar T. There's not really a weak spot on this roster. You sit there and go, oh, that. And it's a really remarkable job done by Duke Tobin, Katie Blackburn, that whole staff in Cincinnati. They are one of my favorite teams, obviously, to cheer for, period. But also just one of my favorite teams to watch just because of the multitude of ways that they win games against good teams. It's not like they just beat up on bad teams multiple ways. They found ways to, to beat really, really good teams, whether it's, you know, fourth and six, throwing the 30-yard bombs to Jamarik in, in Kansas City. Who else has the stones to try that? You know, it, it's uh, it's pretty pretty special special roster that they've got going on there and uh i hope they get it done this year because man those fans have waited a long long time for a team to really break through and do what i think the bengals are capable of this year but you know me i'm a (laughs) it's hard for me to be super objective about a team that i like that much yeah it's hard for you to be unbiased when it comes to a team in ohio as well final thing i do want to ask you about is the running back position because joe mixon took a pay cut aaron jones took a pay cut Saquon signed and got a pay bump, but it's a pay cut from what he was asking for. Dalvin Cook is set to sign by the end of the weekend. So really, we're down to three. Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, they're all holding out in different ways. Jacobs is not signing his franchise tag. Taylor and Dobbins are doing the P.O. I'm injured thing. But then we've got Fournette, Zeke, and Kareem Hunt lurking out there. So do they have any leverage or is this just a situation where Josh Jacobs, you got to show up, you got to play. Jonathan Taylor, you got to show up, you got to play. J.K. Dobbins, you got to show up. You got to play. Otherwise, we're going to hold that missed time against you next year when it comes to contract negotiation, and you've sewered yourself. I think Jonathan Taylor has the most leverage of the three. You're breaking in a rookie quarterback. We know how good Jonathan Taylor is when he's out there. Uh, I think that one's pretty across the board, other than Jim Irsay doing Jim Irsay things, which obviously is pissing off a lot of Colts fans. And I I don't blame you guys, by the way. I, by the way, I don't blame you guys for that. That's I, I know how he operates, and I, and I understand that he is a personality like that. Dobbins is an interesting case because of the amount of time he's missed with injury. Obviously, he wants some guarantees. Obviously, he wants to make some money. That's my Buckeye boy. You know, I love him. But looking at it purely contract-based, he's just got to show up and prove that he can handle what they're asking him to handle again, much like Lamar did last year, and then he got hurt but because he's a quarterback. They're still going to get the payday. There's just baked in risk reward there. And I think Jacob's obviously just disgruntled with the situation in Vegas because as you should be, the team doesn't seem to have a ton of direction as to what they want to do. They're not horrible. It's not like we're looking at the Cardinals roster. They have pieces. There's there's a lot to like about that about that roster. It's just, can you compete with Kansas City? Can you compete with the Chargers? You look outside your division. Can you really chase those teams down? I don't think so. Not with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. So he's basically sitting there thinking, I'm making $10 million and that's great. But if I get injured and 
I can't play again. That's it. That's all I'm ever going to make. So he's probably going to have a much more difficult time than Jonathan Taylor in terms of securing that deal, I think. But Taylor is probably going to get his money one way or the other. Ursay is not notoriously cheap. Um, I don't think the Davises are either. Dobbins is in a weird spot just because he's hurt too often. Saquon and Dalvin obviously basically have sorted their situations out. Fournette's an interesting one because he's basically a goal line hammer at this point. And um, a satellite back too. He's, sat- a sat- he's, he's a short yardage and satellite back. You he, don't want him getting the between the twenties carries. It's Fournette. Weird. Fournette would be my choice over over a Zeke, who I just think is basically truly just a goal line hammer at this point. Uh, Kareem Hunt's an interesting one because there's still juice there. People forget he hasn't really had a full running back workload in a long time. He's not washed. Like there's still juice there. It's just a matter of who is going to use him and utilize him properly in order to get what he can out of the rest of his career. So I think he's probably the most likely candidate to go to somewhere where he can get 30% of the touches. Fournette, to me, is probably going to sign with whoever pays him the most. Same with Zeke. Uh, but again, if if Jacobs, Taylor, Dobbins, if they hold out into the season, which I don't think they will, but they could. They absolutely could. Those three become a lot more enticing as, you know, your RB1 is sitting outside the stadium eating popcorn, holding signs that say, pay me, you dicks. Pay me, you dicks.